That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us here on the Great America Show. Truth, justice, and the American way are practiced here. And by the way, we assume with much practice, we'll improve. And as always, you'll be the judge. And thanks for your support and kind words so far as we grow our little acorn here. My wife, by the way, doesn't like that acorn to oak tree metaphor. So you won't be surprised if I try to find an alternative way to express the fact that thanks to your support, our audience is growing for this podcast at a rate we never anticipated. And I'm deeply grateful to you and to everyone uh, listening and about to listen and soon will listen. Let's turn now, though, to a number of news developments today. Let's begin with the U.S. Special Forces raid against the Islamic State leader in Syria. First, the Pentagon says none of our troops, thank God, uh, were killed or wounded in the raid and that ISIS, that ISIS leader, is dead. Today, the Pentagon, however, did confirm early reports that there were women and children killed in the attack. But the view is that they were killed when the ISIS leader set off his suicide vest. In a separate development, President Joe Biden's approval rating has fallen fallen below that of President Donald Trump at the very same point in their presidencies. Now, there, I am sure, is no relationship to geopolitical events and his polling situation. And in other White House news, President Biden says the Constitution is always evolving slightly in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights. Based on that remark, it's incredible that Biden only wants to pack the Supreme Court with more justices and make the justices term limited. There's no telling what else he has in store. And as to that little remark about expanding rights and taking them away, which way would you bet that Joe Biden wants to expand our rights or limit them more? I, I think we probably agree about the limit them more. I wanna turn to our guest now. Uh, he is a terrific American. Uh, and he is, without question, an American hero. He's Robert J. O'Neill. And if uh, you don't mind, Rob, I'm going to introduce you based on your profile uh, on Twitter. He is a minor, M-I-N-E-R. He is a SEAL, all caps, S-E-A-L. A breacher, M-F-F, jump master, tandem master, shot a bunch of dudes. One was famous beer guy, speaker. And with that, Rob O'Neill, welcome to the Great America Show. As always, thanks for having me, Lou. It's, a, it's an honor. Let me start with this raid in Syria. Uh, a lot is being made in some quarters of civilian casualties. Uh, early reports are that uh, the leader of ISIS was wearing a suicide vest 
and blew them up. Uh, your take on the way in which you've seen it reported uh, and, and your thoughts about that. Well, initially it was eerie because I started to hear from some of my former teammates from SEAL Team 6 that this was a lot like the bin Laden raid with a helicopter having issues and going down needed to be destroyed. And then uh, guys slowly trying to work their way to the third floor. That's, you know, that's where we found bin Laden. And right. my personally, when I was going to the third floor of bin Laden's house, I knew we we're going to blow up. Uh, I don't know why he didn't. Sometimes these big leaders don't. But uh, these Army special operators, they, they went up there and this guy did uh, set off either um, uh, a vest or the room or the floor was rigged with explosives. Right. And when you get into places like that, it's very, very uncommon to just find the bad guy. There's going to be a wife or wives and children with him. And if he blows himself up, he's, he's going to kill the kids and the family. That's just he made the decision. And it's amazing. The reports are coming out that none of our guys were hurt, which is tells you how how incredible they are. After right. what I heard was a two hour gunfight where I'm assuming and again, I wasn't there, but. They're, they were trying to do what's called a call out, which is something like a, almost like a police tactic where you, you let them know, look, you're surrounded. You need to come out. But but they decide they, you know, the, in this case, being the the martyr to be, they're going to try to suck as many people in as they can before they ignite. And and the mindset behind these, especially the high up ISIS leaders is as soon as I detonate this, not only will I go to heaven immediately, so will my family. And, right. and they, they really, really believe this. I mean, it's, they're horrible people that were taught horrible things growing up and their ideology is so twisted. You can, you've seen it you know, all over the internet when ISIS came to power. A lot of them are just psychopaths that knew they could murder people. This guy did, you know, he acted like a lot like bin Laden where he would only leave the house to, I think it was to go on the rooftop to, um, to bathe. And, and that's, that's, I'm, I'm assuming that's how intelligence found him because they, they were looking for him for a while. And I think that the, uh, special operators were planning this for months. And uh, I, I mean, other than lo losing a helicopter, if that's all you lose in an operation like this with suicide bombers, it's a success because as we've proven, we don't really care if we give away helicopters. There you go. Uh, it, it's, uh, it is a, a terrible trade uh, when someone is, when we have to report casualties rather than a helicopter down. And I have a feeling that the White House isn't too concerned about uh, the cost of a helicopter. Hell, they left 167 of them in uh, Afghanistan at one uh, fell swoop. Uh, it's, well, the, it, uh, it, the, the White House likes it and the, and the Pentagon likes it because the more stuff they lose, the more their buddies at the big time contractors get to make. And that's more money for them. And that's the, the root of a bunch of evil right there. But we can get into that later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are, are, are right now. I mean, okay, we, we not a bad segue. <laughs> you're, you're setting us up here. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. The, the idea that uh, Biden's approval rating dropped uh, below Trump's at the same point in their presidencies uh, and a raid is carried out. You know, so many of us uh, of a certain age keep remembering a, a movie called Wag the Dog. Oh, yeah. And, and I, don't, I, I think this is just really too coincidental for words is the way I'll put it. What do you think? Well, it's almost like with Wag the Dog, which is excellent, by the way, um, Hollywood kind of knew what was going on anyway. And you got to figure, tr uh, well, Trump's um, approval rating was down at the same time uh, as Biden's, but that's with a, a media that would do anything, cut their own teeth to destroy Trump, and they would give Joe Biden a sponge bath. 
it, and it's, it, it tells you how <laughs> how bad Joe Biden's doing, and just the um, it, it it's 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 both sides of the aisle that like you know when when I grew up, I you know it was it was American uh, American flag and apple pie, and we're doing the right thing around the world. But I've realized there are a lot of people, Republicans and Democrats, that have big donors that make big tanks that they're kind of pushing that we need a big defense, forward defense, big ships, because, you know, you don't, you don't make as much money as a four-star admiral as you will, as soon as you start working for Lockheed Martin. And exactly. it's all, a, it's a good old boy network. And like war is big money. Look at Ukraine now, no, no interest in Ukraine, but we, you know, we'll send some troops there and everybody, you know, get the, get the, the lines rolling. Cause we're making some more gear so we can help our friends in, in Ukraine, which isn't even part of NATO. So it, um, it's everything from which lobbyists can get the big money f- just because they can open the door to this congressman. And, and you see that, they, you know, they call themselves war hawks. You've never been to war. Everyone that I know who's been to war is not a war hawk. It's like it's like when I um, on Instagram or see someone, you know, at a theme park wearing a shirt that says, I like to kick down doors and shoot guys in the face. My response is, no, you don't, because you've never done it. You don't know what it's like. And so these guys, just, you know, it's, it's a small circle that we call the beltway. And then, uh, you know, dudes in suits, lawyers and lobbyists around them, and then the media in New York. And they're running this whole thing. And I'm convinced everyone's everyone's getting paid. You, it shouldn't be you, you shouldn't enter um, Congress as a former bartender and instantly become a millionaire driving a Tesla, something sideways. Right. Although that seems to be a, a common practice. And there are some people who really exceed even those targets for remuneration and, and net net worth. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, look at uh, the Clintons didn't have a, uh, <laughs> anything to go see. Uh, and, and suddenly they're worth uh, 150, I think oh, it was yeah. 109 million in the first 10 years after they were out of the White House. Uh, you see the same thing with the Obamas. I mean, for crying out loud. Uh, yeah. Bush was born into money. So he started with a yeah. head start. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like, uh, the Obamas now have that huge mansion in Martha's Vineyard. It's like, I didn't know that a community organizer's uh, salary was that big. <laughs> Impressive that you did it that fast. And it's it's, it's like, if, if I can, people always ask me, hey, if you could go back in time, because then they want like a Navy SEAL answer. If you could go back in time and tell 15-year-old Rob what to do, I would say, I would tell my father, do whatever Nancy Pelosi's husband is doing. <laughs> Make those bets. And she's, by the way, gotten lucky again. You know, I love people who get lucky when they think, and there's some people who just get lucky uh, by the way in which they uh, time their uh, stock purchases. And here we go again. Uh, <laughs> she's got a, her husband's got a windfall with everything that's going on in China. So uh, it, it's it's incredible. That, and by the way, you notice that the, the Congress and the Senate, they love to pass bills and make big moves and it, what, whatever it costs. But they really don't like to ever, ever regulate themselves and say end insider trading for for Congress and for the Senate. Well, they're they're the lawmakers. And that's why we don't have term limits, because guess who votes on the term limits? And guess who votes? And they never miss a beat on uh, on getting, you know, promotions, raises for themselves. And not one of them didn't collect a paycheck when everyone else was locked in their houses. You know, when you were when you were talking about apple pie and the flag and uh, everything else, obviously, I was raised uh, in in the same circumstances. Well, I don't know how obvious it is. It was the way things were uh, when I was a kid. Uh, And 
And now we're, we're looking at a country, uh, and I was surprised, by the way, to find out, we're looking at a country that won't throw a parade for our military uh, or throw a parade, uh, military parade for ourselves. And I was kind of surprised that you were opposed to the idea of a military parade in reading your, uh, you know, reading you over the course of time. Why is that? Now that I took that more to the micro level because I mean, parades are cool, but um, a lot of these men and women, they've been in two wars for a long, long time since, you know, September 11, 2001. And right. they you know, we're talking long deployments at sea, long deployments in the desert and the mountains of Afghanistan. And if you need a parade with people marching, you got to pull that from uh, from these people that, you know what, because my my thing was, you know, I'm, I'm not against parades, but I, I really want the troops to have morale. That means be home with your kids and your wives and husbands for for a while. So you, there, you, yeah. It would take weeks to train and, you know, 15 hour days to march and all this stuff when we really didn't need it at the time. My suggestion was simply, if you need to show something, we we do have the uh, the Blue Angels and we have the Navy Leapfrogs and the Army uh, Golden Knights. The military shouldn't be used as a, a proving ground. It shouldn't be used as a look at me type thing. So I disagreed with the parade then simply because it's, you're wearing these guys out. Yeah. Uh, the reason I like the idea of a parade is because the Pentagon general staff doesn't like them. And, and Donald Trump had an idea that I thought was very good, and that is to have military parades. And the, and the people that you draw from there, typically in communities around the country, are the, uh, the reserves, the National Guard. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't want to see anybody that's been, on, you know, had four deployments. Actually, I don't want to see people with four deployments, period. Uh, we should have a military large enough that we could do far better in the way in which we take care of our war fighters. But that's another, well, maybe it's not another issue, but it's part well, of the issue. You gotta figure that um a lot of people fighting on the front lines were National Guard troops. Like we were we were spread thin mm -hmm. on, you know, one of the big things is never fight a two-front war. And we were on a lot of different fronts. And uh, mm -hmm. it's just I, I think it's just adding too much to it. I I mean there there's so many patriotic people in this country too that um, I mean you see the Trump rallies even now I just got off like an eight-day road trip and it was just to to talk to thousands of people personally and hear how they feel about the military yeah. and the flag. they're out there it's just that the the very very minimal loud people that are angry about everyone everything tries to ruin it for the rest of us the majority of the people are good and they love it they want it yeah. and you know I mean if, if people are willing to do it Fine. I just don't think you should order people to stand around like uh, that scene in Stripes where they're falling off Jeeps trying to get some sleep. Yeah, I like the I like the imagery. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. They uh, there's the schools right now. For, well, first of all, uh, we're about what four years away, five years away now uh, from uh, Trump's urging to do that. And the reason uh, I, I bring it up today is because we're looking at polls that show the military has never been less respected than it is right now. Uh, and there's a reason for that. It has nothing to do with our, uh, our rank and file uh, in the military. It has everything to do with four-star generals who don't make the salary of a senior vice president, one of the big defense contractors, you say, but they fly around in a $50 million aircraft just like they were big shots uh, with a big salary. Uh, it's, it's time for, the, I think, the country to sit back and say, you know what, it's okay to have a parade. It is okay to show children 
what our military is. And by the way, how is this, how is this volunteer military working? I don't think it's working too damn well. What do you think? Um, it, it works. And the, the, the issue though is the senior leaders. The, the, like you said, the four stars flying around in the Lear jets and stuff like that, because they're, they're trying to make it a proving ground. And they're just, once you get to a certain level, it's all political and you need to say the right thing, be politically correct in order to, because, you know, everyone that has one star wants their second star. And yep. uh, so then be, just because of the woke movements and stuff like that, and all this, we need this type of person here and we got to put these people there. Um, and the troops don't care about anything. And I'm talking about, they don't care about gays in the military. They don't care what color your skin is. As long as you can meet the standards, if you can be on my team, that's all they care about. And that's all that we need to do. Like Marines don't need to be in Afghanistan trying to build schools in the Shuriak Valley and the Korangal Valley because they don't want them. And you're just going to get shot at for no reason. Let the military do their jobs and, and it'll be fine. But now that it's everything from, uh, you know, they're teaching critical race theory, they're, they're, they're pushing all the... Um, uh, transgender stuff, and 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 th they're making that important. It's there. It started. I saw it starting when um, when I got out in 2012. I was actually in Afghanistan with a room full of Navy SEALs, and the push then was um, uh, re repealing "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." And I'm looking around a room full of dudes, knowing some of them are gay, and I'm like, "Does anybody care if another Navy SEAL is gay?" And I'm like, "No. Why, why does the media?" And they're like, "I don't know. Talking points uh, because." It all goes back up the chain to who wants to get their third star and who wants to get reelected as a congressman, because I need to say the right thing because the media is all over me. And it's there's so much behind it that doesn't need to be done and so much repetition of nonsense. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I think that there's a period about 20 years there where the, the issue of don't ask, don't tell uh, gay uh, rights, uh, gay marriage. Uh, we had uh, friends who told us who are gay that uh, they oppose gay marriage. Uh, we, my wife and I, uh, you know, we said, I, why would we care? Yeah. Why would we care? Now we have friends too, who are so religious on, uh, on that issue. And it's, it's part of their religious belief system that, uh, you know, they think it is absolutely terrible. And I respect, I respect both views, but for me personally, I, you know, I agree with you. Uh, no, I, I, I just don't see the point if you're sitting, uh, whether you're sitting in Afghanistan or whether you're walking down the street on Fifth Avenue. What's the difference? No, that's, I agree, too. I'm, I, I'm kind of a libertarian as far as uh, like any, you know, gay marriage, transgender. You do what you want. Um, don't as, as long as you're not negatively affecting anyone else, do whatever you want. And I'm also a capitalist when the, like the dude that didn't want to make the gay wedding cake. It's like. Who cares? You're, you're going to make money. Make the damn cake. Who cares? Well, say I now I'm a conservative, not a libertarian. And I'm so damn gum conservative. And I believe in every man's right and every woman's right to make those decisions. And if you don't like the fact that he didn't make your cake, go down the, uh, yep, the block and, and get your damn cake. Yeah. And, See, they want to make an issue out of it. Cancel him because I don't the, like him. The LGBT groups have made a 10-year crusade against that man uh who refused to bake that cake this isn't about rights this is about destroying somebody who disagrees with your point of view and most of these people uh you know are just in it for the ideolo ideological uh high that they get from destroying somebody who has yeah. an opposing view particularly well, on the left they're in it for the high but they also like the check from george soros yeah well 
I guess you know it's sometimes it's hard to see that was a very capitalistic thing you said there, marrying in, incentives and remuneration and values. Uh, I want to I want to get back to the parade just very quickly. Sure. Uh, uh, in this sense, how many of those folks uh, out there? Uh, in the country that you talk to as you go around speaking to groups all over the country. How many of them uh, are veterans when you speak? Uh, I can't find too many veterans. Well, um, I, late, last week, uh, I was at um, like blue collar type convention. So like HVAC people, air and cooling and uh, roofing guys. So there, there's quite a few veterans in there. There was actually like a, a Semper Fi roofing company for the Marine Corps uh, veterans. So there's, I run into a lot there. And, you know, generally the people who hire me to speak are conservative. Um, right. So I, I do see vets and then I'm in touch with a lot of veterans. I, I, I talk to veterans every single day. Um, well, understandably, but I mean, just in, in general audiences you speak with, uh, I, I see a military that's changing, not because it's the way to go, uh, but because it's really their last resort to get a quote unquote volunteer. Are you a volunteer if they put a $50,000 uh, signing bonus in front of you and you're 21 years old or 18, whatever it may be? I mean, I get pretty excited if somebody had done that to me when I was 18. <laughs> yeah, my bonus wasn't that high either. Um, so, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know if it's a, if it's a volunteer. That is, it's, a, it's a heck of an incentive. But again, it's, it's coming from the government that doesn't really care how they spend your money anyway. So they'll just keep throwing money yeah. at things. And I think it's about time that people started figuring out one of the problems in this country is that we don't have uh, people who've ever put on the uniform and they, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about combat veterans and I'm not talking about uh, American heroes like you. I'm talking about uh, men and women used to go through the military. It was a rite of passage for, for many men, not most, but uh, a huge percentage. Now we have less than 3% of the population ever putting on the uniform. It's hard to talk about equity as uh, the left wants to do when it comes to critical race theory or uh, you know, EID and corporations and government around the country. They talk about equity, but have no idea what it means. It means proportionality as well in all things, including service to the nation. See, I, I, I see where you're going. You're kind of getting me to your side on the parade here because that is exposure to a lot of young people because the more I think about it, um, we used to have recruiters. I went to a private Catholic high school and I, we had recruiters come in every year and now they can't, uh, they can't get on campuses. Oh yeah. They can't like college kids can't learn the benefits of ROTC, which is a great program. That's free college. Um, yeah. you know, I, I had a buddy that I grew up with that enlisted and then he got a, a ROTC scholarship to Tulane, which is in, you know, New Orleans. And I'm like, wow, that's a sweet deal. Free New Orleans <laughs> for four years. <laughs> but I'm always um, thinking about academics, aren't you? Oh, Rob? Yeah. 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 <laughs> when I think New Orleans, I think school. Um, they, um, but yeah, they don't get the exposure and they're actually told the opposite by a lot of these leftist teachers that the military's racist, the military's bad, the military's a bunch of baby killers, which is not the truth. Cause you know, I've seen the bad guys up close and personal. I know damn well who the good guys are. And I've yeah. seen guys, we talked about kids earlier in that uh, raid on the ISIS place. Those guys did everything they could to save every single woman and child in that house. It just so happened the father of a bunch of them blew them all up. But um, the, America's good. And, and um, like it's it is a rite of passage. Like 
Have you ever seen a Marine who made it through Marine Corps boot camp not be so proud of being a Marine? Because it's so hard, but it's such camaraderie. And, so, and, and they're the once a Marine, always a Marine. Don't ever call a Marine an ex-Marine. It's a former Marine or just a Marine. Um, and, well, you yeah. know, the Army's the same way with uh, with their boot camp and then like um, Ranger School and like, Airborne and then Ranger School. There, it's something there that you just learn how to like little things like being in the Navy, learning how to fold a shirt and uh, you know, how to be at sea. Once you get done being seasick, stuff like that. It's just very, very cool. But uh, yeah, kids aren't getting a lot of exposure and the media has no interest in, in portraying that. Yeah. You know, one thing about being a seal, it sort of ends the conversation. Doesn't it? When somebody says, you know, I'm a pretty tough guy and you say you're a Navy seal. It, no, I, I, I just don't see the conversation going very far after that. No, uh, I just, because they don't recognize me. I just tell them I'm a miner and a beer guy. <laughs> and, uh, and I do notice that you've got a, a soft spot in your heart for the, uh, for the Marine Corps. Oh yeah. And that brings me to the subject of this new book that you've got coming out. And I am anxious to see it and I am ordering it today. Outstanding. And I'm urging everyone listening to us to order it today. It is called The Way Forward. It's coming out uh, March 1st, uh, and you can pre-order it th through every bookseller in the country, and I urge you to do so. It's by Robert O'Neill and a fellow by the name of Dakota Meyer. Now, as I recall, he was something of a Marine. Yeah, Dakota's an incredible story. Um, he, you know, he grew up in Kentucky joined the Marine Corps and ended up receiving the Medal of Honor. And he'll tell you, you know, the, the, he'll tell you first that he, he was awarded the Medal of Honor for the worst day of his life. Um, and, and, you know, it's, he didn't expect to be there and now he's, he's here. He's who he is. I was never supposed to be a Navy SEAL. Now I am who I am. And the way forward is about now, what, and what do we do now? And, and the point is whether you're the guy that went into bin Laden's bedroom or the guy that was awarded the Medal of Honor or you're the CEO of a, of a major company, we've all had our first day and then we've all had our next day and like it or not, we've all been scared. And so it just kind of lessons learned. This one, this one's funnier than my last book, The Operator, a lot of good humor, but it's, it kind of uh, normalizes everyone, the realization that most of us are the same, most of us are good. And it's, uh, I'm excited to work with Dakota. He's like, his story is so funny because he's just a, a wonderful human being. Uh, you think, badass marine but you don't know that he was a, a cheerleader in high school <laughs> stuff like that like just fun stuff oh that, that boot camp is there for a reason isn't it <laughs> yeah i think so they had to yeah they had to beat the pom-poms <laughs> out of his hands so i i could imagine uh that you guys had a lot of fun uh with this uh book but at the same time there's a there's a lot of hard serious work goes into any book what was the most difficult part of the tales you tell? Um, the, the most difficult part, not difficult, but the most time consuming is, is reading the audio. Um, my, when I did my last book, The Operator, my, my, I didn't want to read it. It would take days and weeks, uh, especially for me. And But my wife, Jessica, said that uh, you only you can tell your story. So I read the first one and then Dakota and I both read our parts in this one. So that was the most time consuming just because, um, you know, you got to sit in the studio every little, you got to be careful how much coffee you drink because every little gurgle in your, in your throat will come soon. You got to reread it. So you read your book out loud essentially four times just because you have uh, so much noise, but it's, it's fun. We, we wrapped up the, 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 I think the hardest part is getting it approved by the Pentagon. Uh, I'm a, if you're, if you're from the military and you write a book, 
put it through the Pentagon just to make sure you're not putting any tactics in there, anything they don't want out there. So I've done that with both my books. It's proved by all the agencies. That took a long time. The publishers, for some reason, don't understand that. They were saying, because uh, once I once I submitted it, the Pentagon says, uh, don't don't even think about your publisher's deadline for this to be printed because it's not up to them anymore. It's up to us. And, the, you know, and I'm kind of controversial with some of my statements. So I'm like, you know, to the publisher, um, uh, I, I said, you know, they could have this for a few years. And I was right. They had it for almost a year. Good grief. Yeah. Good grief. Well, I, I do want to, you know, you raise that point uh, as you're talking about reading each of your parts in this. How, how does the reader, how do we uh, tell uh, whether we're hearing and uh, reading uh, Dakota Meyer or Robert O'Neill. Well, I was saying that um, mine's going to sound pretty normal and well-spoken. His will be a little slower and written in crayon. <laughs> oh, I, I would never have denied you that opportunity. I, that... <laughs> Thank you. I saw you. I saw you setting me up for that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I look forward to uh, seeing it. Uh, the Way Forward is the name of the book, folks. It's by Robert O'Neill and Dakota Meyer. Uh, I can't wait to read it, Rob. And I know uh, thousands and thousands of folks, uh, bestseller levels of thousands and thousands of folks. Uh, we'll be eager to read it as well. Uh, I want to say it's uh, been great uh, talking with you. I hope you'll come back soon and best of luck with the book. And on this broadcast, this podcast, uh, we always give our guests the last word. And this is your opportunity. Take it away. Well, uh, Lou, it's always an honor to talk to you. I always have a great time. And, and I love not having talking points because we never know where we're going to go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the way forward is available on my website, robertjoneal.com. And uh, you got to check out the swag there. My front toward enemy uh, hoodies and shirts are on fire. And it's just a, it's a, that's a front toward enemy is what they put on Claymore Mines because we keep it simple. It reminds you to this front goes towards enemy. So this is on the front of the shirt and it's how to take take, take on life's hardest decisions, front toward enemy. And on, on the back of the hoodie, it says back. So it's kind of an instruction manual on how to wear a sweatshirt. I love it. I love it. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get uh, the family. Uh, well, we're going to we'll have it for all the kids, the grandkids. Uh, it's, uh, I'm going to have to think about which kids I have to be careful with about. That might invite somebody to want to fight. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, several of uh, our kids, we know how that fight will end. Poor victims. So, uh, the way forward. And Rob, it's been a delight talking with you. Uh, I really, really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll talk soon, I hope. And all right. wish, wish you all the best. Thanks, Lou. Talk and, soon. Thanks. And God bless Rob uh, for all he's done and all he does for the country. This year, 15 Republican Senate seats are open, 13 Democratic seats. There's a heck of a battle shaping up in the great state of Missouri. That is in part because there's no incumbent. Longtime establishment Republican Senator Roy Blunt is retiring. And there are nine, count them, nine candidates who are running for the Republican nomination, running in the Republican primary for the opportunity to run against the Democrat candidate in November. And by the way, there are a few Democrats running in that primary as well. There are seven at last count. So it is busy in Missouri. The latest polls for the Republicans are close. They have the state attorney general, Eric Schmidt, in the lead, one point ahead of Eric Greitens, the controversial Eric Greitens, followed by Vic Hartzler, 
than Billy Long and Mark McCloskey. But the race is in early days, to say the least. The primary election is August 2nd, six months away. And with us is a man who's going to make the most of those six months, and he's Mark McCloskey. He's attorney, not a professional politician, and he doesn't have a lot of, uh, well, establishment uh, GOP rhino money <laughs> behind him. Uh, welcome back to the show, Mark. Uh, we're, we're checking in with you to see how things are going, and uh, how are you doing? Well, thanks for having me on, Lou. You know, we're out there working as hard as we can possibly work. We're hitting every event we can go to. Most of the other candidates don't show up at these events, uh, but we are, you know, hitting a different county virtually every night. And it's a, it's a big state. We've got 114 counties in Missouri. We've hit about 57 of them, I think, as of yesterday. And uh, we've, got a, we've got a ways to go. But uh, I've got this kind of unique idea that if I'm going to be representing the people of Missouri and I've never been a candidate for anything before, I ought to go out and talk to as many of them as possible and see what they want. Well, I think that's a great idea. Uh, and uh, and I, I know you have a, a John Deere tractor on your place. Uh, do you also have a pickup? You know, I, I don't own a pickup truck. You know, I'm so I'm, that's my one uh, detriment as, as a true American. Uh, I don't have that F-150, um, but, I, I, but I do I do have a Gator that we call Swiss cheese because it's got too many holes routed through it. Yeah, oh, I've got one of those too, and I, I, I don't know how old it is, uh, but it's held up through thick and thin. We got a, you know, we got a little, a little farm here. Uh, we got a couple of those that we, we use from time to time. Uh, they're great little vehicles. I, I just, uh, you know, I think I'd, I wouldn't want to, I don't think I'd want to traverse the entire state of Missouri on one, but uh, I, I'd hold out for that Ford 150, I believe, if I were you. I, you know, I've just heard too many candidates, I guess, over the years use a pickup to, you're talking about talking to everybody in Missouri. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's one way to do it. Uh, I, I guess the days of trains and whistle stops are over. Uh, it's a tough thing if you don't have that uh, that big money for that television advertising, isn't it? Well, it is, and and I think that uh, the two big candidates, uh, the two Eric's we call Will Eric and Big Eric, Eric Reitens and Eric Schmidt, uh, have tons of money in reserve. They've gotten millions of dollars from billionaires and from the uh, the big corporations. But if you want to have politics as usual, if you want to just keep electing career politicians or people that don't really have a political philosophy, but just have political ambition, then, then, then vote for guys like that. The, uh, the, if I, I say this every night, there is no longer time in this nation for politics as usual. This country is so close to being lost. Our liberties are so close to being taken completely away. Our constitution is so close to being completely ignored and decimated by the, by the, the deep state and the mainstream media that there is not time to elect politicians as usual who want to argue fine points of, uh, of the midline because that's not going to save this country. And, and that's, that's why I've put my life on hold to do this because I don't think there is time if we don't take back the government in this election, if we don't remind the powers that be that this is a government by consent of the governed, then we're not going to have a uh, free republic any longer. You know, I think that all of the all of the folks listening to you uh, in Missouri and the United States, and I think everybody around the world watching American democracy at work, 
would be real interested to hear how you're you're going to go about getting your name out there, getting your ideas out there, and building popular support uh, in the great state of Missouri without a pickup truck and without uh, all of that money for television advertising. Every place we go, people recognize that our civil liberties are not just at risk, but being decimated by the current administration, that the uh, current administration does not respect the rule of law, doesn't respect the rulings of the Supreme Court. And in fact, the uh, President of the United States in his uh, State of the Union address last spring talked about how he has the, uh, the power to determine what is information and what is misinformation. And just two weeks ago, he reiterated that saying that the, that the tech corporations should assist him in censoring what the American people are allowed to hear and not hear. And this is not a, this is not a free country when you've got the, the president of the United States declaring that he can censor what we're allowed to say, hear, and think. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, right now it seems to be the way of America, uh, the big tech, social media, deciding that even a president uh, can be banned uh, it's it's outrageous and no one responds to it. I mean, that's what's to me, it's just crazy. Uh, the Republican Party doesn't say, well, you SOBs, here we come. Twitter, uh, uh, Facebook, whomever it may be. They just say, you know, okay, fine. Uh, because Ooh. they sort of, the establishment types sort of drool into their soup bowls and uh, say, you know, we'll benefit from this at some point and so we'll let it go. And pretty soon, uh, you know, we're going to be in, as you say, one heck of a mess. And who are these Republicans? When the president does something wholly unconstitutional, when the federal government imposes unconstitutional mandates, when they open the borders to illegal immigration, how come there aren't 50 Republican senators standing on the steps of the Capitol building, screaming in the megaphones that if we permit this to happen, this is the end of our democratic republic. It's the, it's the abolition of the constitution. Uh, where, is, where are all the Republicans who should be standing out there screaming, why do we have political prisoners being held in solitary confinement in D.C. for crimes of, what, trespass, parading on Capitol grounds, or no charges at all? People have been sitting in solitary confinement for 13 months with no hope of a jury trial anytime in the near future for, for minor misdemeanors or no charges at all. Those are just political prisoners. And why isn't there outrage? Why aren't the senators screaming about that every day? But no, it's, it's as you say, Lou, everybody thinks that if they hold their breath and go along with the status quo, that at some point they'll come out the other end with a nice lobbying job and an extra million bucks and everything will be just hunky-dory. And that's, that's how the left destroys us, by, by preying upon our civility, our, our honesty, and our God-fearing nature in the hope that things will get better if we just, if we just go along and get along. Well, that's just not going to work from now on. That that has got us to the brink of disaster. Yeah, going along and getting along is sort of the uh, mantra of the Republican establishment, the GOP, the rhinos, uh, and, and who behave as if they were card-carrying Democrats, but they wouldn't have the guts to actually carry a card that uh, gave them the correct label. Uh, the, the, the rhinos are a false flag operation, period, under themselves. Uh, it's really disgusting, isn't it? it? It really is. And, you know, we see it from the lowest level of government to the highest level of government. I mean, just with the redistricting here in Missouri, although we have a, a, a vast majority of Republicans in this state 
and legitimately a, a, a seven to one Republican to Democrat ratio in the House of Representatives. The Republicans in the Missouri House of Representatives just voted for a plan that's going to eventually be a 5-3 bill. They call it a 6-2 bill because, and I've heard 20 different representatives say this when I've been on the campaign trail since they took their vote, that, oh, you know, we have to be reasonable because these uh, uh, the Democrats have these, these sources, these places of interest, and they need their fair representation. And I'm saying, boy, if they're in charge, they're never fair to us. They never play honestly. They'll take everything they can get. And if you, if you bow down to them, if you try to appease them, it'll only come back to bite you in the you-know-where. You know, I get a kick out of Republicans, to, Mark. They're, it's such a disadvantage to the Democrats because Republicans, I don't think they're innately dumber than Democrats, but they do tend to act like it uh, because they are absolute gentlemen whenever, uh, particularly in the Senate, the, <laughs> that august body which you, you want to, to join. I, I mean, they really don't quite get it. Democrats stick together. Republicans figure out ways to kind of slice each other up in the, in the dark of night, uh, in smoke-filled rooms, uh, in, in alleys, in shadows uh, all over the country. Uh, and, and then pretend at daylight that they're, you know, uh, just perfectly fine gentlemen uh, doing the Lord's work. I, it's amazing to me, uh, the frauds, the rhinos, uh, and I'm going to you know, just tell you straight up. I mean, it, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney. Uh, I mean, you go through the list of these people. It's disgusting. It is. And there's two categories in my mind. There's the people that are that are cowards. And then there's people that are actively working against us. But the problem is that, that fighting for freedom is difficult emotionally. It, you're, you're ostracized from traditional society. Uh, I like it when, when Alan Dershowitz, who I always considered to be an extreme liberal, until he started to uh, uh, participate in Fox broadcast. Now, now he's not invited to any parties in Martha's Vineyard because he's, uh, he's now not just doing, you know, a lockstep with the left. And yeah. uh, it just, it's, it's so humorous to watch these people self-destruct constantly, and yet the Republicans let them get away with everything. Yeah, I, I've got to ask you a question. It, it occurs when you, you're running for the Senate, uh, a national office and the, representing the good people of Missouri. How do you balance the, the issues of your state and the national issues that confront uh, America? In your well, campaigning, from my my perspective, it's it's really simple, and and maybe it's maybe it's overly simple, but this is what I really believe. If you approach every question from the perspective of, does it benefit America's vital interests? Does it tend to increase the freedom and liberty of the individual, or does it tend to aid our enemies, weaken the United States, and and tend to centralize power, and not only just in the United States, but centralize power in a globalist economy, in a globalist worldview, and I'll go ahead and use a phrase, a great reset. Um, if, if it tends to be in the interests of the United States, in the vital interests of the United States, and in the interest of individual freedom and liberty, whether it's on a state level or a national level, that should be the basis upon which your decisions are made. And if it tends to increase the power of government, increase the control over the individual, decrease 
the individual's liberty and work constantly towards that, that goal that the communists have been working on for over 100 years of creating a single world socialist government, then that has to be defeated and fought against with every ounce of uh, blood and effort. Let me ask you uh, another way, what I'm trying to get out here. Uh, is, is a senator, you're going to be asked to, to obviously serve the nation, but at the same time, you're serving your state. Uh, you know, to think about all that money that's behind uh, many of your uh, rivals, opponents in that primary race, I mean, they've, they're pretty well loaded up with establishment money, aren't they? They are, and they're going to be expected to uh, return dividends. And that's the problem, of course. That's, that's the problem with our government, is that it takes so much money to get there. Well, I used to have this cartoon up on my office wall of a man talking to his uh, school-aged daughter, and he says to her, who does a congressman work for? And she says, the people. And he says, let me rephrase a question. Let's take a job that pays $174,000 a year, but it costs $50 million to get that job. Now, who does a congressman work for? And she says, the highest bidder. Yeah, it's, and it really, it really, it, you know, it's, it's a tough uh, metric, but it's, it's also very, very true. The role of big money, big business, and, and people have to understand. And I, and I think that's one of the great services that candidates can make in this election is to point out that the, uh, the media in this country is owned and controlled by corporate America. Uh, if they don't own the media, uh, then they're advertising on that media. Uh, it, it's just, to me, stunning to see the terrible, terrible uh, twist uh, in, the, in what was America as a result of the awesome oligarchy that's been created in television, uh, in big newspapers. Jeff Bezos, the, one of the richest men in the world, owns the Washington Post. Carlos Slim, one of the world's billionaires, owning a big chunk of the New York Times and a billionaire family owning much of the rest. Uh, it, it is just sickening to see that money without, by the way, any embarrassment. Disney owning ABC News, Comcast owns NBC News, uh, AT&T, CNN. The list goes on. Most of the news is corporate. And the corporate news is sanitized, homogenized to the point that it isn't news any longer. And a heavy, heavy hand uh, is placed on the political preference of those corporations. And it's not, it's not the Republican party. It's not conservatism. It's, it is in some instances when, when corporations are supporting Black Lives Matter, it's a straight out Marxist. Uh, but it is certainly in other cases, radical uh, Dems who are the beneficiaries of that corporate news media. And you know, the, the speed with which the uh, entity that calls itself Black Lives Matter has, has come across this country and been supported by the mainstream media and academia and government has just been shocking. And they, these folks are, as you mentioned, overt communists. Uh, and to have them supported with hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars probably by now, corporate money, totally unaccountable, totally without any, any uh, actual impact on the, on the black community or any evidence that they've done anything to improve the lives of the average African-American in this country, um, but now universally accepted and you're considered to be an evil and bad person if you don't agree. 
it's, it's, it, it is so shocking how fast they have transformed a, a, a concept which was abhorrent to everybody just a couple of years ago, all the, the Marxist dogma of this organization, and now made it such that you can't argue against it for fear of losing your job, your career, your, your social respectability. And I can't tell you how many people in, in, in my campaign have said, I'd love to, I'd love to support you, but I'm, I'm afraid of how it will affect me socially. I'm talking people from everyday lawyers in St. Louis to well-respected billionaires whose names you would know, saying even ones that are up there in the years saying, I'd love to support you, but I can't take the, uh, the, the, the social repercussions. Yeah. And is that a free country? No, well, it's, it's, uh, it's a free country, but those souls are in point of fact being held hostage uh, by something. And it may be their own fears and their own uh, uh, desires, which may not align perfectly with the country. I, I believe, and uh, I've tried to live this throughout my whole life, uh, I will speak the truth and I will take the consequences straight up. Uh, but until a person understands that you have to make that deal with yourself, it's very hard to, I think, for some people to understand, you've got to speak the truth, you've got to support the truth uh, in every way. I, I want to ask you real quickly, as we're wrapping up here, so sure. a couple of questions uh, on on the law itself. Uh, we've got uh, the George Soros uh, funded and appointed DAs around the country. I mean, they're running these some of these democratic cities right into the ground with their refusal to prosecute. Uh, and and they're doing just further damage to what's left of our justice system. Your thoughts about what could be done about those uh, DAs and the interference, if you will, of uh, big money. Well, first of all, we have to remember that the legislature makes the laws. Legislature passes the laws and they're signed by the governor and then they become laws. And the legislature has decided that certain things are criminal. However, the Soros, funded prosecutors say, we're not going to enforce entire categories of crimes, including drug crimes and sex crimes, for example, here in St. Louis. They don't have that power. Within a category of crimes, they can they have prosecutorial discretion to say which criminal we're going to prosecute based on the evidence, based on how, how successful we might think the prosecution will be. But they don't have veto power over the legislature. They can't say, for example. And how are they getting away with it? I, you know, I, I, was, I spoke to a prosecutor from a rural county two nights ago. I spoke to a state senator this morning on this topic. Uh, there needs to be legislation passed that would deprive them of their power or replace them with the power of the attorney general's office if they refuse to enforce the, the laws that but, have been But enacted. you just said they don't have the power. Uh, so why would they, why, why aren't state legislatures, governors saying, are you out of your mind? Once again, and, and going to court and saying, you will enforce the law. And if not, you're out of there. Once again, where's that outrage? I mean, that's, that is a major theme of every presentation I give is where's the outrage? How is this being allowed to happen? How can there be DAs like in Los Angeles and New York City now and Chicago and St. Louis and so many other places? I think maybe the number is something like 28 different major jurisdictions right. have Soros funded uh, district attorneys or, or circuit attorneys and where is the outrage as our cities burn and and uh, record numbers of people are murdered and, and this pillage open pillage of, of retail establishments going on in broad daylight and yep. where is the outrage where 
Where is the government? Where where are our friendly yeah, rhinos? But, but that's like, but that's in this case, I, Mark. I really think that may be just a little too much blaming the victim. Uh, you know, people are victims of their government. Uh, when it's January sixth committee, uh, Americans right now kind of be looking at that and seeing what's being done to their fellow citizens, and nobody says a word. Not the media. The corporate media is in on the deal. Uh, <laughs> You know, they have these George Soros DAs, they're in on the deal. The Justice Department calls parents who get excited at a school board meeting domestic terrorists. Who the hell are the people supposed to trust? If, if not, they're elected officials and nobody, you know, if everybody sits around waiting for the other guy to get outraged, nothing's going to happen. Uh, and I think we, we've got to look honestly at what is happening to our cities. They're being destroyed uh, by this left-wing money that's going there in, in in tons let me ask you another thing starting out with a supreme court uh, justice um, that by deciding that 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 justice will be female and she will be black uh that sounds a lot like just group and identity politics not a meritocracy seeking excellence well it, it's it's illegally and uh, unconstitutionally racist i mean to and this whole concept, and you know, I was the first lawyer in the country to file a lawsuit against a school for critical race theory. But this whole nonsense that the way to fight racism is by identifying each of us by race and treating us differently is, is so crazy. I mean, it would make George Orwell smile. Um, but I mean, for the president of the United States to say, I'm going to only consider black women in the role of my next Supreme Court justice is, is so openly racist that it's just shocking. And it's and once again, I go back to the same thing. Where's the outrage? I mean, how how can even the, the media, how can even the mainstream media not scream about this as being racist? But but now, in the last two or three years, we've been sold this concept of equity rather than equality, that we don't want to have equality under the law. What we want to have is a gov government-administered policy of equity where people are treated disparately in order to correct um, fictitious or um, exaggerated claims of lack of equal treatment in the past. And a lot of people are buying it. I mean, I, I, uh, I testified in front of the Missouri Senate this morning on a, on a capsule doctrine bill, and every person that stood up identified their subclass. Now, I'm a black man, I'm a gay man, I'm a, I'm a transgender man or woman. Um, and each person had to play on the heartstring, heartstrings of racial division and 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 um, tribal politics before identifying their political position on anything, because it it's a way that they can bootstrap themselves into credibility by identifying themselves as a as a minority group which has been inequitably treated in the past, and therefore we need some kind of special advantage. And it it, it has permeated every aspect of our society in such an amazingly short time. Yeah, you know. I, I hate to say this, but another way of putting it is this country's now, uh, you know, we're a gathering of damn fools uh, to put up with it, uh, to have uh, this this nonsense overwhelm uh, judgment and to color uh, reason and, and understanding of the, of the of life itself and community. Uh, it, it's it's ignorant as it's ignorant as hell, and I cannot believe. That a country uh, that is the world's greatest melting pot 
has devolved to this level of uh, woke nonsense. The problem, of course, is that people are afraid to stand up. Or, and because, for example, the Department of Justice created a task force recently to identify and track people who resist authority. They've already identified moms and dads that want to have some input into their kids' education as domestic terrorists. We heard recently that the Capitol Police are spying on members of Congress and their visitors yep. and, and their constituents, even though they don't come to this. I mean, we have a country now where our, our federal police are no more than the, the KGB, uh, gathering information to use to control the population and to, and to quash dissent. And that's a very, very yeah, frightening they, thing. The FBI right now is functioning as, a, as if it were the, uh, the, uh, the activist uh, police arm of the Democratic Party, and it is a—it's a pitiful and shameful thing to witness uh, for all Americans. Uh, Mark, uh, it's great talking with you. Come back, let us keep us posted on how you're doing, uh, and let me know if you buy that Ford 150, will you? <laughs> I will. And you know, for all your listeners, if they really want to save this country, if they want to stop politics as usual and stand up for individual liberty, stand up against this government stand up against things like the federal police, the FBI, and the Department of Justice being the enforcement arm of a woke left, then, then contribute to my campaign. Uh, it's McCloskey for Senate, F-O-R, McCloskey for Senate.com. Uh, we need all the support we can get, but more than that, the people of the United States just need to stand up and cast off this new form of tyranny, cast off the monopoly that the federal government and big tech wants to have on thought and political discussions and what you're allowed to think, what you're allowed to do, where you're allowed to go, and what you're allowed to inject into your own body. And ladies and gentlemen, this is our last chance to pull back our freedoms and restore this United States to a genuinely free place. Mark McCloskey for Senate. And uh, we appreciate your time. And thanks for joining us, Mark. Uh, interesting conversation. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on, Lou. All right. Thank you so much. Good luck to you, and uh, we uh, we wish everybody uh, a great uh, a great evening. And on the morrow, we'll see you right here on the Great America Show. Thanks for being with us, and God bless you. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.